2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be reading from verse, uh, verse 1, so we'll overlap a little bit with what we did last time. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Okay. So, let's pick it up at, at verse, in verse 2 it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Remember, Jesus is the one whom we can see. The one who, are in, who, who, who was seen and uh, the one who came here to earth and the one to whom we can, we can closely relate. Then it says in verse 3, Seeing that His divine power, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. We receive everything through knowing Jesus. It comes through the knowing of Jesus. Through the knowing of Jesus, it says uh, 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 that it's been granted to us uh, through the true knowledge of Him who called us, through the true knowledge of Him, to know Jesus, to know Jesus is the most important thing, who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these things He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. You think of the promises that are in the Word of God. I mean, just tremendous, tremendous promises. These have been granted to us. He granted to us these precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. By these promises, we become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption which is in the world by lust. Remember, lust is this disordered desire to take, which is not, take that which is not mine for my own selfish gain. Taking that which is not mine for my own selfish gain. That's what the lust is. And uh, um, he says to become partakers of the divine nature. We could, we could title this, How Then Shall We Live? How then shall we live? How are we supposed to live? Who is our model? What is our model? And it's all embodied in Jesus Christ. Jesus has become our model. Jesus is the key here. 
He is our model. The whole thing is all about Jesus. What I want to do is I want to look at the life of Jesus. He is our model. I want to start with, with Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52 verse 13. Isaiah 52 verse 13. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. This is speaking of Jesus. From here in Isaiah 52 verse 13 all the way through Isaiah 53, it is speaking about the Messiah, Jesus. And so we learn things in the Old Testament about Jesus that we don't even see in the New Testament or we learn more fully because we look at the New Old Testament. It gives us insight around things that, that are then revealed in the New Testament. So Isaiah 52, 13 again. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them they will see and what they had not heard, they will understand. It talks about the scourging of the Lord Jesus. It says, His appearance was marred more than any man. Jesus was so absolutely shredded on the cross that, that uh, His form was more, more marred than any other man. More than any other scourging of any other man, Jesus was scourged. Just tremendous beating. And that's why He died so readily on the cross. Jesus only lived about six hours on the cross. And, uh, um, and it, it was because he had been so cruelly beaten prior to his even being nailed to a cross. It says, thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. When you speak to the leaders of nations, you talk about Jesus. I mean, the whole conversation just changes. It changes when you mention Jesus. Talk, about, talk with CEOs of big companies. You mention Jesus. The whole tenor of the conversation changes. It just changes. Kings shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. So Jesus undergoes this scourging. Now I want to look at Jesus, our model. Jesus, our model. Let's turn to, to John chapter 19, the gospel according to John chapter 19. And we're going to be reading verse 1 and verse 5. John chapter 19, verse 1 and verse 5. Jesus then came out, I'm sorry, verse 1. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. That one sentence, took Jesus and scourged him. This is that tremendous beating that is revealed to us in Isaiah 700 years earlier that, that uh, uh, he was going to be beaten in this time more than any other man. It says in verse 5, Then Jesus came out, this John 19, verse 5, Jesus then came out, wearing a crown of thorns and, a and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Behold the man. By Pilate's own testimony, this is the man. This is the man who gave himself for us. This is the man who, who his, his life was given for us, that everything was poured out of himself for us. This is the man. This is the image of a man. This is how we should live. We should be following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it says that, that uh, through the knowledge of him, 
through the knowledge of him in, in verse in verse four of first Peter I'm sorry, second Peter chapter one, verse four. For by these things he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world by lust. Here's how we pick up the divine nature. Here's how we pick up the nature of Jesus. And it comes through, as it says in verse 3, through the true knowledge of Him. Through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. This comes through the true knowledge of God. I'll tell you, we cannot study about the life of Jesus enough. He is so amazing. We study about His life. We cannot study enough about the life of Jesus Christ. He is so amazing, so good, so wonderful. The life of Jesus is so wonderful. Now for this very reason also, verse 5, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he gives us this list of things. So we can never say, well, the Bible isn't specific enough for us. No, the Bible is plenty specific. And he gives us lists of ways that we can live. But I'll tell you, you can't, you can't fulfill these. I can't fulfill these. It's only in Jesus Christ these can be fulfilled. Only in Him, through the true knowledge of Him. So we, we follow in that true knowledge of Him. That's how, how, how uh, uh, we get this. It says, for this very reason, verse 5, applying all diligence in your faith, supplying moral excellence, and in moral excellence, knowledge. And so He begins to open up these things. He begins to teach us these things about Himself. I want to turn to Titus, the book of Titus. The book of Titus in the New Testament, chapter 2. T- Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. There's this amazing synopsis in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 of, of, of the gospel, of everything that's there that's embodied in this. And, and uh, um, this is in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And, and it, it's interesting because in the New American Standard, the 95 edition, which I use... Um, Verses 11, 12, 13, and 14 are all one sentence. So this is just one compound sentence of the whole synopsis of the gospel. Verse 11 of Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. All of that was one sentence, at least in the New American Standard. In the Greek, it's, 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 it's not that. But then he... he, he, he says in verse 15, these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. He says to Titus, so he's instructing this, this man, Titus. He was, Titus was, was to him sort of like Timothy, just, just a, a young man who he really committed a lot to. And he's, 
and, and Titus is leading this, this church body, this local church body, and he says, these things I want you to speak and exhort and reprove with all authority and let no one disregard you. This is a tremendous encouragement to young men. This verse encouraged me often when I was a young man feeling that I had to go in and say things that, that weren't easy for me. And in, a, in two hours, I'm going to be speaking at a very large event here on the campus. And I read this verse and it encourages me. I read this verse and it gives me power. These things speak, exhort, and reprove with all authority. Who am I? Who is Jim Tour to be able to go and speak to these crowds of people? Who am I? Right here it says it. These things speak, exhort, and reprove with all authority. When I stand up there, I am going in the authority of God, in the authority of Jesus Christ, in the authority of the one who wrote the word of God, the authority of the one who created the universe. This gives me great boldness. And he says, I want you to teach this. I want you to exhort. I want you to approve with all authority. Let no one disregard you. I am to go in there and by the power of God, take command of that situation and go in and speak this. And this is very important for you young people to remember because you're going to be dropped into situations in Bible studies and in things like that where you have to, have to uh, uh, come, come into that thing with, with huge amounts of authority. And you have to exhort, you have to reprove, you have to correct, and let no one disregard you. When you are leading that Bible study, you have been charged with a purpose. And don't think yourself unable to do that. In Christ you are able. He has granted you authority to do this. And you will never come to a point where like, and if you come to a point where you feel like, hey, I got this, I'm good, then you're probably not ready. Because what he does is he gives us instruction so that we will learn to be totally dependent on him. Now let's look at what he says in verse 11 of Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So salvation is presented to everyone. It's not presented to just a few. Salvation is presented to everyone. It has appeared bringing salvation to all men. Now only the elect are going to take hold of this, but it's been presented to all men, all women. Every, everyone is going to make a choice here. Some are going to take hold of it and some are not. And it says, but it has appeared and it, it has appeared, and he brought salvation to everyone. Jesus brought salvation to everyone. He brought salvation to all men. Verse 12, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. He instructs us to deny ungodliness. He does not take this stuff lightly. He gives us, in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 1, he gives us a list of things that we ought to be about. A list of ways that we should be acting. How then shall we live? He gives us a list how we should live. And he says, he says that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. There's a lot of things in this world. There's worldly desires, the worldly desires of the flesh, worldly desires of money, uh, uh, worldly desires of fame. And he says you are to, to uh, uh, deny ungodliness and worldly desires. So there's an active part in our life where we say, that's not for me. As believers, that is not for us. That is for the people of the world. That's not for us. He says that instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. We are to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And that's exactly what he's telling us in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. He's giving specific things in which to live godly. 
How do we live godly? What should we do? And a lot of times we're lost. Who is our model? Who should I follow? Who should I be like? When I was a kid, I wanted to be so much like my older brother. And, uh, and then I'd see him do things that would get him in real trouble. And sometimes he would, he would start saying things to people, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Why are you saying that? I'm just thinking this in my mind. I have a much better model than my brother. I have Jesus. Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. I follow him. Pilate said it, behold the man. This is the image of a man. A total self-donation, one for the other. Is follow the example of Jesus. This is we're to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Today, in our life, in our lifetime, we are to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. He says, looking for in verse 13 of, of Titus chapter 2, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God. And Savior, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Jesus is our great God and Savior. Christ Jesus. He is our great God and Savior. Looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Jesus Christ is going to return. And we're going to see His glory. And looking forward to that. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Sometimes it is not easy in this present age. To walk sensibly, righteously, and godly. People say things about us. People will mock us. People will make fun of us. And it says that we are to continue to walk sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And we're to do this looking toward the hope that Jesus is coming back. Our great God and Savior, Jesus is going to return. Verse 14 of Titus chapter 2. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. Jesus gave of himself to redeem us from every lawless deed. Jesus gave of himself to redeem us from every lawless deed. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Here it says he died. One of the reasons he died on the cross was to redeem us from every lawless deed. He wanted to redeem us from this because we've been caught up in so much that's ungodly and lawless. He wanted to redeem us. And this is why he died. He gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Remember, we are called to be bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to be his bondservants. We go from worshiping idols, we go from from, uh, serving Satan to getting saved. We are now in the kingdom of God. But we are not bondservants unless we willingly then, in this second step, take the step of becoming a bondservant to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why we are urged to give our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, to give ourselves as a bondservant. He says, He did this, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds. We are to be zealous for good deeds. We're to be excited about doing that which is good. Did you know Jesus saved us so that we would do good deeds? He saved us in order to do good deeds. We don't get saved through good deeds, but he saves us so that we can now do good deeds. We are to be zealous for good deeds. How do you walk godly? You be zealous for good deeds. I'll tell you, if you are busy doing good deeds, 
it is much easier to walk in a godly fashion. If you're willing, if you're zealous to do good deeds, it's much easier to walk in a godly fashion. And this is what he has for us, that uh, uh, um, be zealous for good deeds. We're to be zealous for these good deeds, and it's much easier then to walk in a godly fashion when we are zealous for good deeds. If you're doing good deeds, it's hard to get into trouble. I mean, you just, you're, you're about good deeds. And this is what he's calling us to do. This is what he's calling us. Jesus is the focal point. And this is why in 2 Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he gives us this list. He says we're to supply moral excellence. That's virtue. We have moral excellence in chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. Moral excellence. He calls us to moral excellence. I mean, we live in a world where there's great immorality. Now, it's not unique in human history. You read, you read about uh, uh, first century Rome, I mean, it, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And, and uh, they had us matched, if not surpassed us, in many evil areas. But, uh, um, but it, it says that, that we're to have moral excellence. He calls us to be different. He calls us to moral excellence. We're to have moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. We're to know these things. And in your knowledge, self-control. He calls us to self-control. And, and, and we're to persevere in this. And he calls us to godliness and brotherly kindness. I mean, this is something that I need. He calls us to brotherly kindness. And, and in brotherly kindness, and he calls us to love. And he says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8. We will not be unfruitful. We will be fruitful if we walk in these things. You walk in these things, you will be fruitful. So if you're wondering, how can I serve God? Walk in these, this list of things. Walk in this list of things and cry out to God to help you to walk in this list of things. And uh, um, uh, let's look at, 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 at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going we're gonna to read um, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read about Jesus, how everything culminates in Jesus. This is what he says, because in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, it says, all of this comes through the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How then shall we live? We follow the image of Jesus. How should we live? We follow the image of Jesus. How, would, how did Jesus respond? This is how we are supposed to respond. We respond like Jesus responded. And, and uh, uh, in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who was Jesus? Let's look in, in uh, this be beautiful uh, uh, surrounding of, of, of who Jesus was. In, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers of flame. 
But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteousness and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Uh, and so he says, he says, your throne, God the Father is saying this of Jesus. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Isn't that amazing? Of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So if you ever doubt the deity of Jesus Christ, you look right at that. He is, he, Jesus, that's why Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you this long? And still you say, show, show me the Father, show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus says. He is the exact representation of God's glory. This is why he is our model. When we follow Jesus, when we follow his model, we are following God's model for, for, for us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, he says, he used to speak to us in the prophets of the Old Testament. He says, but now, in verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. All knowledge comes through Jesus Christ. Everything is spoken to us in, through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. All the epistles are written through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's spoken to us in His Son, who He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. No doubt about it, it is through Jesus that the entire world was made. The Bible says that, that, that uh, uh, nothing, in, in John chapter 1, verse 3, that nothing has come into being that exists that didn't come to, into being Without him, it's all been through the word, through this word. And then in John 1, 14, how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the father. This is the glory that we see in Jesus Christ. It is all in Jesus. He is the radiance of his glory. He's the exact representation of his nature. This is in, in Hebrews chapter one, verse three. He is the radiance of his glory. The radiance of God's glory is Jesus. The radiance of God's glory is Jesus. He is the best, the best, the best in every way. He is the exact representation of his nature, it says. When you see Jesus, you're looking at the Father. He's the exact re representation of God's nature. And, and, uh, uh, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Everything is held up by the word of Jesus. When Jesus speaks the word, it is done. Everything is held up by the word of his power. And that's why in, in, uh, in an hour and a half, I'm going to walk in front of a large group of people and I'm going to go in the power of God. Because I'm not going in my own power, I'm going in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the one who purifies us of our sin. And then it just extols his glory. Where, where, where God the Father, it says, you are my son, today I have begotten thee. And, and, uh, and then he goes on and he says, he says, uh, um, and he says um, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. May God cause us to love righteousness and hate lawlessness. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This list of things that he's teaching us in 2 Peter chapter 1 is this list of good things to do. He says, you have loved righteousness and you hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. When we do these things, when we walk uprightly, there is gladness, there is joy. 
And, and he says, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. Jesus laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of Jesus' hands. We can never worship Jesus enough. He is the best in every way. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank you so much for your word. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray your grace upon these young people, that you would make them more like Jesus. How then shall they live? Let them live according to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, let him be their image, to walk like Jesus walked. Lord, thank you that you give us lists of things to teach us how to walk. And you call us and you beckon us to walk in these things and you're always calling us upward. Father, I thank you and I praise you. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for the unbelievers that are here, that you would draw them. Father, I pray that I would have opportunity to speak with them that they would send me an email, reach out to me, and that I'd be able to speak with them and give them more insight and more knowledge about the truth of the living God. Father, save souls, I pray. And Father, I commit them to you. I commit this time to you for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.